What's up, everybody, and welcome into Pace the Nation, broadcasting back from Studio 1A in downtown Arlington, Virginia. We are back in Clarendon, back again for episode 116. I feel like we were just here. And alongside me, it's just my one and only co-host again today, across from me, it's Joanna E. Russo. Joanna, what's up? Do you know what the temperature was in Maine this morning? <laughs> it probably was. It's, it's not bad here. It's 90 degrees here, so I would say probably a 15 degree difference, 75. 65. Wow, 25 With degree difference. 43% humidity. Well, you're going to be in Maine soon. Yes. So maybe we can touch on that uh, later in the program. Um, we are back again. We were just here, actually. We were broadcasting or recording here on Monday, July 24th. Sometimes it feels like I never get to leave Clarendon. <laughs> I know. I know. You used to manage the store here, and you're here more often than uh, you were uh, when you managed the store. Probably, yeah. Well, you know, we're going to have a little bit of a, a respite because we're going to record early in this week, and then... We'll be back, I don't know, maybe maybe in another uh, two weeks from now. But we want to give everybody the uh, expected weekly content. And we've got a big show to get to, a very exciting show. So I really appreciate you making it making it happen. I know you got a ton going on. You're going up to Maine in a couple of days. So um, Tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, tomorrow. So I'm sure there's plenty to do. You just moved going up to Maine. So uh, I appreciate you making that happen. Uh, Docs will be back for the next show. Uh, he's still out in Tahoe. Uh, we'll get an update on how he did in his Ragnar relay. Do you think that all of the Docs fans just took a cross-country trip to somewhere <laughs> outside Tahoe? Probably. Yeah, I, I would bet that he saw many of uh, a Docs fan on the route there at the Ragnar relay. Uh, but he will be back. Don't fear. He will be back for next week's episode. Uh, but this week's episode, uh, we've got a, a big show to get to, like I said, uh, we touched on it last week. Excited uh, about our, t- our our today's guest. It's going to be Gabe Grinwald, uh, who's a professional runner for Brooks, who is in the battle of her life, uh, fighting cancer, and she's going through chemotherapy uh, right now. Uh, we're going to promote a couple things for her. Uh, she has. I, I said it was a GoFundMe last week. Uh, it's not actually a GoFundMe, but it's similar. Uh, it's called Flip Cause. Uh, where you can support uh, Gabe's medical fund. Uh, so you can make a donation to that. We will tweet out the link on that. Uh, you can also uh, raise money for her at the uh, Beer Mile that's coming up, um, all, that's also sponsored by Brooks on August 5th. I also want to uh, promote an article, and I think it's a good read for everybody out there, uh, an SI article that came out about Gabe uh, last week by Tim Layden. Uh, and we will reference this throughout the show. It's called Athlete Gets Cancer, Athlete Fights Cancer, Repeat Again and Again. So she's had cancer for eight years and has a real inspiring story. So really looking forward to uh, talking to her in a few moments here. Uh, but before I get to that, Joanna, uh, I wanted to share a story um, that uh, was a little um, unnerving for me the other day. Okay. You know, I chronicle on this program ups and downs of my parenting. Yeah. Well, uh, Julie was out of town this past week. This past weekend, I should say. Busy weekend we had with the Crystal City Twilighter. Um, we had the Alan Webb Book Club event. And uh, we also interviewed Alan on Friday, I believe so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that turned out really well. A lot of positive responses from that, from the book club event, seeing him at the Twilighter, and, of course, the podcast that went and dropped today. So she was out of town, and we were busy, you know, the stores and the events this weekend. Um, so I was on James duty with the help of my mom at times, but, um, you know, for the most part, I was flying solo with my son, James, who's 11 months old now. And, um, you know, he's an active little kid and, uh, you know, so we got to get out and do stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, like you would with a lot of 11 month olds. So, um, Saturday morning decide to, um, go to the dog park with my uh, also very active very dog. active energetic dog yeah um, that rips up the house basically if you don't take the dog out mm-hmm. yeah again much uh, probably a, very much chronicled on this show uh, so if you uh, listen to the show you know my dog London is a German short hair point, pointer who um, super active so we we head to the dog park or head to our normal trip to the Sherlington dog park now it was about 8 a.m so 
put the dog in the car. Um, you know, grab all James's stuff. You got to get his bottle. You got to get his diaper bag. You know, maybe change of clothes. All these things. So we're prepared for a little bit of anything that might happen. So I throw the diaper bag in the car. Put the dog in the car, and forget the kid. Put the kid in the car as well. Okay. All right. Uh, buckle the kid in. I thought this was going to be a home alone situation. <laughs> no, uh, wouldn't put it past me. But no, put the kid in the car and. Um, throw the diaper bag in the car, close the door, run to the porch where I had left his bottle and his, uh, his water container. So I go grab that, go back to the car and I pull the door. It's locked. You locked the keys in the car, locked the keys in the car. And the thing is, I've got one of these like keyless car entry things, Yeah, you know, that, that you would, you would think if the keys are in the car, the door should open. Yeah. So I realize, oh man, this is not good because none of the doors will open and I see the keys in the back seat. So maybe since they were in the back seat, uh, maybe it didn't register for the driver's side. I don't know. So do you have a spare? Don't have a spare. Julie's got the spares. Oh, okay. That's so helpful. Where was Julie? She was, uh, she was at this point in New York City. Okay. Uh, recruiting trip or a, a class, whatever it was. Uh, so it was your first thought to tell Julia to figure it out without having to Oh, there was her. no chance I was telling her <laughs> at this moment. So she's texting me like, hey, send me pics of the kid. What's going on there? And I send her like a one word, oh, it's good. Hold on, you know. Um, so I run through my mind quickly like, what am I going to do here? I realize she has the keys. Mm-hmm. I am kind of freaking out here. Uh, fortunately, it wasn't too hot at this point in the morning. Yeah. Uh, but not good when your kid and the dog are locked in the car on a summer day in July in DC. Mm-hmm. So, um, I called 911. Oh yeah. So call nine. I mean, what was I going to do? Call the Toyota dealership. I call the Toyota dealership. They're going to take, you know, I don't know, half a day. Yeah. That's probably not going to work. You don't have like AAA or roadside assistance? Uh, no, don't okay. have those. Okay. Um, at least I don't have those numbers handy. Okay. I had 911 handy on my phone. <laughs> okay. You know, you, you push emergency on the phone and it dialed 911. And I do think a baby in a car in the summer. Yeah, I thought that was an emergency. Yeah. I was looking at the closest boulder, thinking about throwing it through the window. I mean, these thoughts were going through my head like, this is not good. Um, so... Talked to the woman on uh, at the dispatch center there at the at nine one one, and I said, "What do I do? Do I throw a rock through the one?" She said, "Whoa, sir, hold on, slow down. We'll send somebody over and we'll have them help you out." So, the fire department is there in three minutes. Wow. Yeah, I mean three minutes. I mean we're pretty close by the closest firehouse here in Clarendon, so that was that was good. Um, they're there in three minutes and. They got the siren on. They're parked in front of my house. My neighbor comes out. He's like, oh my gosh, what is going on? Are you okay? And, uh, you know, amazing, awesome guy. John was, you know, trying to be very helpful, but not much he could do at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's four guys, Arlington uh, Fire Department guys. They all knew Murph, by the way. Mm -hmm. All good friends with Amanda Murphy. So, um she got a good chuckle out of this because it, it, it does end well. Uh, spoiler alert. Well, I, yeah. I saw James on Sunday, yeah, so, so I figured. <laughs> so uh, they they come and they're like, yeah, this happens all the time pretty much. Uh, four of them hop out of, the, um, hop out of the, the fire truck like, you know, like they were my, my Superman heroes coming, mm-hmm. coming to save the day. They jimmy the door open, you know, put the stick in there, unlatch the, 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 the door, bang, bang, and um, save the day. Drive off like a white knight uh, who, uh, you know, saved my life. So it was one of the scarier things, though. Uh, I'll be honest that a scarier 10 minutes of my life as you look at your kid and you can't get in there. And he wasn't sweating and Mm -hmm. he, he wasn't really crying. So that was okay, too. But uh, it ended okay, but just another um, uh, parenting um, debacle on my resume, I call it. Yeah. So it's a lot of character building. Yeah, I think so. Um, Luigi was locked in. Really? Yeah. So we have two offices in the back of the 14th Street store, and yeah. um, somebody, one of my staff, put Luigi in one of the rooms, um, mm. and the door 
automatically locks, but we don't have any keys for those doors. Right. So we spent a few minutes trying to find keys. Yes. Um, and then that was about as much as so I you get that you yeah. So you get that feeling, and the pit of your stomach must have been like awful. Yeah. So I just um, what you do? I climbed over oh. the roof to um, to get yes. in there and rescue him. You, it's not you didn't have to go outside. I know what you're talking about. If you haven't seen the 14th Street story, you don't have to like go outside and climb on the roof. So she wasn't like scaling down from a skylight or anything like that no no i i did i did i had to go into you did the, yeah because you can't like you can't put your weight on oh, anything up i thought there. you could go over those because it's a little wall there that doesn't go all the way up it doesn't go all the way up but you can't put your like once you get up there you can't put your weight on anything you went on the roof i didn't go into the roof but i climbed into the skylight okay to be able to i know exactly what you're talking down. about yeah. okay that is uh heroin yeah wow impressive okay had to rescue the dog you did <laughs> You did. You didn't have to call 911 either, like I did. Um, well, good. I'm glad that you can relate and you aren't going to um, judge me because you basically did the same thing. Well, I didn't lock the dog <laughs> in the room. That's true. <laughs> that's true. That's, that is true. Well, at least I, the cat was okay in the house. Yeah. One, yeah. one person was yeah. <laughs> unscathed this weekend. I did tell Julie. Um, so... Uh, she does know. I was debating. The fire department guys were like, uh, I'm not sure you want to tell your wife. They were so nonchalant about it. They see probably everything. Yeah. This was just an easy, like, you idiot. I would think with, like, keyless entries, I think this probably happens a lot. Yeah. I mean, probably with keys, too. They but. did. Or, or maybe they made me feel better. I don't know. One of the two. Anyways, so I did tell Julie, and she, um, she was fine with it. I thought she took it really well, so I was, I was very happy about that. Uh, you know, our next guest has roomed with Julie before. Oh, no way. I, yeah. I, I, what we'll, we'll ask her about it. Okay. I think they roomed over the summer at one point. Hmm. Uh, I just, she mentioned that, um, Julie mentioned that yesterday. So maybe we'll ask uh, our next guest about that. All right. So next up, excited to be joined by professional runner Gabe Grinwald next here on Pace Nation. All right, welcome back to the program. And now, Joanna, we are excited to be joined by, on the phone, Gabe Grinwald. Gabe, thanks for joining us. How are you? Hi, guys. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I um, was just just telling Joanna before you got on um, that, uh, you know, my wife, Julie Cully, uh, also uh, a runner, a professional runner, no longer retired now, but uh, she ran... Um, and ran a lot of races with you, not really kind of different events. Yeah. Um, but, uh, she mentioned to me that you roomed with her, um, one year, one summer, maybe. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. Okay. I definitely remember. So w- where yeah. were you guys, where were you guys when you guys were, were, were actual roommates or was it just housemates? We were roommates for a while. Wow. And housemates actually, like. Um, I think we were, they might've been over a couple different years, actually. We were housemates, I think in 2011 and in 2012, we did a little bit of rooming together while Julie was preparing for the Olympics and I was just racing, but both times we're in Belgium and Leuven. So definitely have some good memories. So that's, when, that's when Julie was racing and killing it. That's awesome. Yeah. And a lot of uh, our, our listeners probably don't realize that, you know, they see you guys run the USA meet and you know, you've, you've made world team and, uh, they know that you go over to, to wherever worlds is or, or the Olympics are, but they don't realize that a lot of your racing during the summer, you go over to Europe and stay in some place like Belgium, right? Yeah, definitely. And how long do you guys stay, stay there? Uh, is it weeks? Is it, you know, the, the hot months of, 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 you know, July and August or when, how long do you guys stay usually when you're running uh, professionally? Yeah, I think it's, you know, it changes for each each athlete and just depends how much funding and opportunities you have and what it is you're preparing for. But I think um, most of my trips to Europe um, are, they usually have been from like three to five weeks total. Sometimes they've been as short as two weeks if there happen to be not that many races. But um, if you can get a good string of racing going, right. uh, four weeks is a nice length of a trip if you can get one to last that long. But uh, like a couple of mine have been that long, but the three weeks is probably average trip. Yeah. 
So you room with Julie. Give me something. I've been a roommate for a while now. So give me something annoying. <laughs> annoying. I mean, how annoying is her snor- snoring? You know, let's let the audience know about that. <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, I'm not going to out anyone. And if she snores, I wear earplugs. Yeah, no. She, so she, anything that Julie did has been forgiven. She doesn't snore. I'm kidding. Joanna's, Joanna looks at me like I'm... I'm such an idiot. She, uh, but no, she, she, she doesn't. She is. I'm sure she was a. She was a great roommate. Um, well, that's a very pleasant roommate. Yes. Okay. There you go. Because she will listen. So, all right. Very good. Uh, you know, a lot of us uh, were introduced to you uh, over the last uh, month or so when you ran USA's. At that point, everybody knew that you had cancer, and you know, you were going through chemotherapy. But, um, you know, this has been going on for quite some time. Take us back um, when you first uh, found out you got cancer. And what kind of cancer is, I can't pronounce it. I know that the the acronym is ACC. What kind of cancer is it? Yeah, I I initially, in 2009, um, I had a small tumor on the left side of my neck. And, yeah, my initial diagnosis was just um, adenoid cystic carcinoma. That's what it's called. And it's a rare malignancy of the salivary gland. And at that time, I just um, had the tumor removed as well as my parotid gland. And then I had radiation therapy that summer. So that um, that was the last time I had, that was the first time I had dealt with cancer. And um, they, I actually had my thyroid removed in 2010 for thyroid cancer, but those are unrelated. Wow. and. Fortunately, the thyroid cancer was um, treated successfully, and I don't think that is, that's definitely not my major issue right now. It just kind of was something that came up. <laughs> and um, But yeah, so between 2009-2010, uh, after 2010 through 2016, really, I, I was healthy and just living my life and being a professional runner. And last summer, uh, a few weeks after the Olympic trials is when I pretty much... Uh, discovered that I had a large tumor um, in my liver, which is metastatic adenoid cystic carcinoma, is what I came to learn, which is definitely not what I wanted it to right, be. Right. I was hoping I was hoping it would be something a lot less serious than that. But I had a surgery last summer to remove it, and that went well. I was hoping to have a full season of racing this year, and my Dodgers were also. I mean, even though surgery isn't necessarily curative for this type of thing, they were they were hopeful that I would get a little bit more time, years, hopefully, uh, even between having to have another tumor removed or something. But yeah, in March I found out that I had uh, more tumor, like small tumors in my liver, that basically needed to be treated. So that was a bummer because I was just just barely starting to get fit, and so I knew that I wasn't going to have a full season here mm-hmm. for 2017, which is what I was hoping for. But I, uh, yeah, I had, I had a decision to make to try to make the the best of it and get a little bit of racing in, even though it was very, uh, just a mentally challenging time as well as physically. But, uh, mainly it was just tough to wrap my head around on the fact that I, was going to have to deal with it again. So it's been a long year. Yeah. Well, it was amazing that you, it was amazing that you ran the race. We will tweet out a link to the, to the race, um, a really like emotional end to the race. And you know, the, all the, the other women in the 1500 are huddled around you. Uh, really yeah. emotional. Uh, we will tweet a, a link to that race. I, I mean, you know, uh, that race, you know, obviously you've run 431, you know, maybe when you were in, in you know, college or, or earlier, you know, so obviously that wasn't you yeah. out there. Um, was it tough to kind of, you know, soldier through? It looked like you were like, I, I watched the video of the race, it looks like you were kind of gritting it out and getting after it, even though, you know, you just weren't there physically. Yeah, I mean, I had no idea how chemo was going to feel um, running. I didn't know what it was going to do to my body. I think I I was hopeful because it was only one round of chemo. I had mm-hmm. two infusions before that race, but I thought running 
would be easier, honestly. And I found out very early after my first infusion, trying to do workouts. I was able to run and I could do some workouts, but mainly it was like short intervals where I could kind of like fake it. I could do like 200s with some rest and anything like hard and longer than that, like distance was difficult. (laughs) After like 600 meters, I just felt like uh, I wasn't able to get the energy I needed for my body really. So it, I knew it was going to be a challenge to have a competitive race at USA's. And I, I mean, I raced once the week before or maybe two weeks before USA's and in the hopes of running a little bit faster than the time I had posted. And I went out in my goal at my goal pace and I just completely cratered the last 600 meters. So USA's, I just, my goal is just to run a little bit more even. So it was slightly less painful. So I, I, I knew it wasn't going to be fast, but it's always kind of a mystery anyway. There's no, like, there's really no right. guide map for how this is going to go. So, I mean, I was a lot fitter than 431. So it's obviously frustrating, but for me, I, it was important for me to just get out there and see what I could do and just try to stay connected to the sport, even though it's not something that's my number one priority at the moment. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, we, we will t- talk about your, your, I mean, you're on sort of a crusade now, which is just amazing. Um, Tim Layden of Sports Illustrated wrote just an amazing article. Uh, we will tweet that out, too. The article is athlete, athlete gets cancer, athlete fights cancer, repeat again and again. And you, you, you kind of quickly went through it and just kind of nonchalantly, well, I got cancer in 2009, and then later on I had, you know, uh, can- cancer and had this removed. I mean, the ups and downs of what you've gone through is just incredible. And to have run, I mean, in between that, you competed, you were competing at the highest level. You were fourth at the Olympic trials. You ran 401. I mean, I just don't, I mean, I don't understand how you were able to, you know, I know you're going through chemo right now and you weren't going through chemo when you were, you know, running uh, your PR of 401. I just don't know how right. mentally you were able to kind of keep it together and stay positive throughout and not really knowing when this thing, if this thing's going to come back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it definitely, uh, it was interesting to be a young adult cancer survivor and I think running for me was always a generally a good outlet and a good way for me to stay present in the moment and really not worry excessively about my future health because I knew from the beginning that specifically adenoid cystic carcinoma is it's characterized by recurrences basically and there is no cure and there's hardly any effective treatment and so yeah it's something you don't really want to think about when you're in your mid-20s and you're otherwise a very healthy person so uh for me the way that i think i got through that and got those good years of running and life in is just uh i i just hoped that maybe i would get lucky and it would never come back right and the other the other hope was that if it did come back um that it wouldn't be for a very long time and maybe like science and medicine and cancer treatments will advance enough to the point where um, if it does come back there will be an effective treatment and it will be less daunting so um, I definitely I can definitely say that I did not I did not plan for it to come back when I was 30 that wasn't part of the right. plan <laughs> Well, you, you were on fire in 2014. Again, you won the 3K indoor title at USA's, um, and then, like I said, finished uh, fourth uh, two years prior in the 2012 Olympic trials. Uh, interesting part for me in the in the Leyden article was, um, you know, when you and Justin, your husband, got that CT scan, um, and he kind of felt like there might be something up, and you had a huge tumor. Um, maybe a four pound tumor that was in your abdomen, um, you know, talk about like that and, 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 you know, give us the recap of that. Yeah, I think I just, 
to me, it's very, it's a shocking thing that um, it, cancer can be in your body, but you can almost have zero symptoms. I think I, I mean, people, you could call me like a sick person in the sense that I've had cancer, you know, this four times, but I don't think I've ever felt sick from my cancer, which is just an interesting concept for me to wrap my head around. Even last summer when I did have a, I had a large tumor in my abdomen. I mean, I didn't even hardly, I hardly noticed it. Even looking back, there's things that maybe like indicate that something was going on, but um, my liver function was completely normal. My body was not giving me any real hint that this was going on inside of me. So it's just kind of a, it's a very surreal experience. So yeah, my husband, Justin, he is, he at the time was a second year internal medicine uh, resident physician and he just gave me a hug one morning I think it was early August and he was coming home from a night shift from work and I think I was going to meet my parents or something and so he was going to go to sleep and I was going to leave but he gave me a hug before he went to our bedroom and he just it wasn't any like there wasn't any alarm going on but Mm -hmm. he just said oh your your abdomen feels kind of like firm like weirdly firm and I was like oh it does it and I was like what's what is right there and he was like that's where your liver is and um, immediately I didn't think that was a good thing because I was like yeah it does feel kind of weird like I don't know if he hadn't said anything I mean it just wasn't that obvious and you were running at the time i mean i mean runners are really in tune with their body that's one thing you know as all of us runners know um and you're running at the time and didn't really notice it i mean i had just run in the olympic trials which didn't go particularly well for Mm -hmm. me but i think it's fair to say that i had a large tumor present while i competed (laughs) in the trials and i mean i ran 15 19 in like late june or mid-june and like essentially figured out the tumor was there early August. So, I mean, if I could still run fifteen nineteen, yeah. and I made the final in the fifteen hundred, even though that wasn't my plan. Um, yeah, I mean, I just thought I wasn't running well, but I do think it was probably affecting my running. And I'd say so. Seriously. So. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, but you no, know, it wasn't really obvious. I just thought I was having a bad season. And I just, that's why I, I ended my season almost immediately after the trials, just because um, things just weren't clicking and it was just a really weird year. And I just felt like, I just felt like it was mentally had been exhausting. So um, it was interesting looking back because I felt like I was really hard on myself. And now I'm like, well, I guess there was a reason maybe that it was such a rough Olympic year. But, um, but yeah, mainly... That was the last thing that you want to hear, though, is that you have um, four pounds of cancer inside of you, and it's being, like, essentially a par- partially, a, like, within my rib cage, the confines mm-hmm. of my rib cage. You couldn't, so that's why I, it wasn't that obvious. There were, you could tell, um, if I look back at pictures from, like, June and July last year, like, some of them I can see exactly, like, the you know you can actually see it um but some of them i can't see it at all like the pictures of me running i don't think that it looks obvious uh but if there's some of me standing from a certain angle i can tell but but mainly i'm fortunate that my husband gave me a hug because even though i did have yearly um you know cancer surveillance my doctors were mainly looking at my looking at like chest CTs of my lungs mm-hmm. because the two the two main places that adenoid cystic carcinoma travels to years later is it's often the lungs and the liver is probably the next common uh, organ but the lungs are still much more common place for it to metastasize to so they weren't even like really looking at my liver which is definitely the scary part of this so I'm glad we found it yeah and you know, what's amazing throughout this is, is just how consistent you've been um, running-wise. I mean, you've made every yeah. U.S. championship in the 1500, and you made the final from 2009 on. Is that true, that you've made the final of 
not 2009, 2010 through 2016. 2010 through 2016. I mean, being married to, you know, Julie, who made the Olympic team, I mean, mean, forget cancer. It's just hard to stay healthy and injury-free. I I mean, there is just it amazing. What do you attribute your consistency to? Oh, I don't know. I think um, for me, some of those, I mean, I'm happy to be in the final in a lot of those races, but a lot of those finals didn't go how I wanted them to. But um, just, yeah, having, you know, been at the U.S. Champs, I mean, it's very common for an athlete who is competing as a professional over a number of years to miss USA's every now and then due to injury. Mm-hmm. But the fact that I was able to at least show up at those meets, I think I think fortunately being in Minnesota for whatever reason, if I did have an injury, I've been injured in the winter and not in the summer. Um, I also, so usually even if I'm, it's not like I've never had an injury, but if I have, they've been far enough out of the the summer months that I can sort of come back from them for USA's. But also I think I've had coaches who have mainly helped me learn how to listen to my own body. And I I tend to, I don't think I, I never really overtrain if anything, like I I undertrain a little bit and I'm usually a little bit healthier because of that and can do more racing year to year. Um, I think it's a fine line for professionals because we're always looking for that edge. And I had my first stress fracture in 2016, like or very early in 2016, trying to find find that edge. But um, I think mainly, mainly I just have been durable. And I think being in the middle distances, it's a little bit easier. I think anyway, <laughs> because I've never I've never been a super high mileage person and. Um, I think that that presents a challenge for everyone who's doing the longer events. I think um, it just comes with that territory a little bit more. Well, you know, it also takes a, a real good support system, which you certainly have. You got we've mentioned your your family and your husband, Justin. Um, you ran yeah. for the University of Minnesota um, and mm-hmm. then went on to run professionally with Team USA Minnesota. Dennis Barker has been your coach since then. Yes. for the for the yep. entire professional career and then of course brooks has been a great sponsor yeah so talk about all the support group that you have yeah definitely i i see i felt really fortunate to be able to uh train and have so much of my career be in minnesota um honestly the, the landscape of professional groups and sponsorship has changed a lot since i first started and it changes honestly a little bit year to year so for me and for Justin, Justin has his career and he has been primarily in Minnesota doing his training. And I, you know, early on when I first graduated, I knew I wanted to continue running. I knew that there were opportunities outside of Minnesota, but I personally like wanted to be in Minnesota. So Brooks made that possible and having a really high level coach like Dennis Barker, who has coached an Olympian in Carrie Tolleson, gave me a lot of, uh, gave me a place where I was familiar with the people and what I was doing and I mean training through the winter is tough no matter if you're in the northeast or midwest or really wherever you are but uh, having the support system in Minnesota and having having just like my regular life outside of being a pro runner those friends of mine who I've had since college who may not still be running but just having their support and having them around uh, has been really beneficial for me and it's refreshing to kind of you know and not have to be in the you know full-on group of you know 10 or 15 professionals I think that works for some people Mm -hmm. but for me I Justin and I have enjoyed training together and I have enjoyed being in Minnesota and that definitely it definitely wouldn't be possible without the support of Brooks however and they're allowing me to sort of do my thing in Minnesota which you know, it's not the case for every every professional runner. Well, Brooks is a great uh, sponsor and partner of Pacers Running. We're going to do uh, a beer mile again this year, August 5th. Uh, you can donate uh-huh. to Gabe um, and her medical fund there at the beer mile, and Brooks and Pacers will match whatever donations are uh, given August 5th. So that's going to be a fun event to come out to. So. Uh, they are a great partner for us, and, and that's great uh, that, that they've been so loyal and great to you. I think they're going to do some sort of – I saw a trailer, um, maybe a documentary or something about you. 
Yes, there will be something. I don't know the details of when that's getting released, but I definitely, I'm definitely excited about that. I haven't seen the full the full cut yet myself. How, how long now? How long do they film you? Do they come up to Minnesota and spend a few days, or how that works? Yeah, yeah, that was mainly during the early part of my track season, and therefore, um, and some of my appointments. They, I think they went to three three or four meets starting starting at Peyton Jordan and then they went to Minneapolis and then they went to one of my first visits here um, in New York at Sloan Kettering as well so it's a it should be a good little depiction of my my spring as a as both a track athlete and a and just someone who's navigating life as a cancer patient so a, a lot of um fans of the sport you know know your name since you've you've been so consistent as we talked and such a good runner um but maybe not known that you had cancer since you were i mean this your first time that you were diagnosed was i guess your fifth year in college um why yeah. why are you why are you coming out now and and being so vocal about it and and raising such awareness now yeah, I I think for me, um, I think just my perspective over the years has changed in and just my level of comfort talking about my health as well. Uh, I was truly, I would say, blindsided by my diagnosis back in 2009 and even in 2010. I mean, I was 22 and I was still in college and I guess I did get attention for that as well and I did try to be as transparent as I could be but um, I think after the initial um, sort of media kind of went away after 2010 after my sixth year basically I I didn't really want to talk about my cancer anymore because I just felt like it was something that was in my past and um, I definitely had anxiety about it and I felt like sometimes um, maybe I was being taken advantage of just for people, you know, who just wanted a headline um, a, for their race or whatever. And so I just didn't have a good, I didn't always have a good vibe about talking about it. And I, mm-hmm. and I wasn't sure what my place was and what my, I wasn't sure what my message was as a young adult cancer survivor. And I was really, I think, I was really focused on living my life at that time. And I, I just don't think it quite fit in with who I was um, when I was that young. I I had so many things, different things to figure out that I wasn't quite comfortable with using my voice um, as much as a cancer survivor and a patient and an advocate and somebody who I wasn't I wasn't just I just wasn't ready for it. But I think you know I'm 31 now and this is the fourth time that I've had cancer and. Um, I, I did just wish that it had never come back, but that's not how my story went. And I think what I've realized over the last eight years, and especially over the last year, is that there are rare diseases and rare cancers, and a lot of them, you know, they don't get as much funding, and it's a lot, it's a lot more difficult to navigate the medical system when you have a rare disease and to figure out diagnoses or trying to find a treatment and just knowing that there are thousands of people out there who who really there isn't currently an effective treatment for the disease they're facing it I've just reflected on it more and realized that my purpose and my platform as a runner should probably be used to to just raise awareness for this this side of of cancer um, experience um, I'm a young adult with cancer, which isn't extremely common, and can also just yeah, having a rare cancer has it's been a challenging and anxiety-inducing experience. I think anyone who gets diagnosed yep. is scary, but when you but when you have a rare cancer, you I mean I've had oncologists who have never had a patient who's had my cancer before, and it's um it's just a whole different ball game. And so what I'm trying to do now is just take the opportunity to talk about my disease and talk about what it's like to have this disease and hopefully um i'm hoping that throughout the next few months and i'm hoping to get back into running but other than getting back into running i'd like to just keep advancing the rare disease and rare cancer platform and just using it as an opportunity to 
to talk about it more and hopefully I can even find ways to to fundraise for these rare cancers because there there's so few cancer centers that are wor- really working on them um so I'm grateful to be out here at Sloan Kettering but mm-hmm. um it's like I, Minnesota just um I couldn't be treated there anymore because it, there's just limits to you know how much they can help me and how much standard treatments can help patients like me so um I can definitely I can definitely feel um I feel a calling to sort of do more in that area a lot more than I felt I was capable of doing when I was younger. Well, we want, want to talk about what you're doing right now at Sloan Kettering. Um, and from the article I keep referencing, again, from Tim Layden's article, you're right, it's, it's underfunded. There's not many people who have this rare form of ACC cancer. Um, you know, it says 3.5 out of 1 million people who have cancer have your sort of rare form. So, you know, there's thousands of them out there, but it's not like a breast cancer or anything like that. Um, right. So, you know, again, from the article, which was emotional for me and probably a lot of people who read, who read it, I, and I want to read this and I want to get your reaction. Um, this is dire- directly from Tim Layden's article. Um, it says, um, for nearly eight years, but more intensely over the last 10 months, she had woken every morning with voices in her head defining her mortality. She was sad about exotic vacations she thought she might not ever be able to take or weddings that she might miss. She feared she might never be a mother, but was grateful for a rich, short life. Uh, and then quoting you, it says, I've lived my dreams, married my dream guy. She says, you know, I'm not sure how long I can survive this, but I'm going to take this challenge. Um, pretty powerful yeah. statement. Uh, what's, you know, maybe expand on that. Yeah, I mean, it has definitely, um, yeah, having having dealt with this all over the last year has been... An, an interesting experience and it's definitely brought me closer to to really figuring out what matters to me and really has opened up some questions about um, how much time I have left honestly I don't feel that I mean I still have no symptoms but um, I need a treatment to work and it's just um, it's uncertain whether I will find that treatment or not but I'm, I'm definitely hopeful <laughs> that something's going to work out for me um but yeah, I guess I don't know. I don't know what more there is for me to say. Justin and I definitely had had other plans for mm-hmm. our life and our marriage at this point, but we're just hanging in there and um, trying to find a silver lining in it, which is just that you know I still feel good right now and I still can do a little bit of running, which is great. And I guess I'm taking it as a challenge to myself and. Justin is supportive of me in this is that like I just want to do more good in the world before before I leave it and I don't know exactly what that looks like right now I have a lot of ideas in my head but um I know that there's definitely a difference that I can make and hopefully it's through inspiring people just to live their life and take on the challenges and just persevere and try to live their best life no matter what that looks like um but yeah, it's, uh, it's been, it has been a journey, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, you're at the best place possible in the world for you right now. You're at Sloan Kettering, and, and it's in New York yeah. City, right? Um, what, what's yep. it, what's yep. it been like? You're going through chemotherapy there. I've seen you. You've been, you've been tweeting and Instagramming, so it seems like you're out on runs. You're social, yeah. but going through chemotherapy. What's it been like? Uh, how, and how long have you been there, and what's it been like since you've been there? Yeah. So uh, we got here last Tuesday night, so almost a week. This first trip is just a week. Um, I basically found out maybe two weeks ago exactly that I I failed chemo. I did two rounds of chemo, and I didn't have a response. So that meant that I wasn't going to get treated at the University of Minnesota anymore and that it was time to, to find a new treatment to try. Fortunately, I had already... Seen Dr. Ho here at Sloan Kettering, and he was already aware of the situation. And um, I'm feel very fortunate that he has a clinical trial going on right now. I'm actually not doing chemotherapy. I'm switched to doing immunotherapy, and um, there's some some promising reasons to believe that this could this could work out for patients with my disease and a lot of other diseases. Um, immuno oncology is definitely uh, a very exciting 
area for cancer treatment right now. So I'm just glad that there's a, a place that I can I can get this treatment. But we basically got here last week and I enrolled in the trial. I had to get some imaging done and I bought another biopsy done. Um, it's been extremely hot and humid. Yeah, not like Minnesota. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, it can be hot and humid, but it's not the same in the city as it is uh, as it is there. So just a little bit different. So my runs have been challenging. I feel like I'm pretty, I'm pretty out of shape right now, but I am running again. My husband is running a lot more than me right now. <laughs> he, so I sometimes get to run a few miles with him, and then he keeps running for like another hour or, or so. Mm. But, but we've had fun exploring. I've had many trips out to New York City in the past, but they've all been much shorter in duration. Uh, I was pretty busy in the hospital and just getting stuff done last week. But over the weekend, we were able to, I got a run in with a friend and I got to do an elliptigo in Central Park yesterday. We have just uh, trying to, we've been trying to take in New York City during this experience so that it doesn't, even though we were not planning on being here this summer, we're trying to make the most of it. Well, one of the other things that I gathered from the article was that um, you said you, you now love running more than you ever did, um, which it, it's amazing that, um, you know, a professional runner who is really, really, really good, um, it's fun to win, like you've won all your life in running. Uh, but now mm-hmm. you appreciate running more than you ever did. Yeah. Why do you think that yeah, is? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think, I mean, my relationship with running, I think I talked about in that article also, but it's, it's just changed a lot over the years. And I don't think, I, th- I think when I was younger, I, I liked it because I was fast and because I could win and for all those reasons, but, and to challenge myself and keep improving. But now, um, as I've gotten older and just um, have gone through all these sort of struggles with my health, uh, I can definitely appreciate it for just the the peace that it brings to my life and um, just the the positive energy that I get from my run every day that I need more than ever right now. I think, um, you know, my running is challenging right now. There's right. no doubt about it. I think my the chemotherapy is just starting to fully wear off and... Um, but now today I started immunotherapy, so I'll have some side effects from that. I don't know what they'll be like, but definitely out of shape and I, (laughs) and I'm hoping to improve on that. But, but what I really love about running right now is just that, um, it helps me to live in the moment, which is extremely challenging to do when you're going through cancer treatments. And, uh, I also really appreciate the boost of endorphins that I get when I run because I also really need that right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think running, I always leave a run feeling hopeful about my future. In the past, it would be just like looking forward to my next race or my next workout or whatever is coming up and trying to qualify for whatever championship is coming up. But I think now I'm thinking more about my life on my runs than about racing i'm still thinking about racing and i really truly hope that there's racing still in front of me but um i think that i've never needed running in my life as much as i do right now so um it's become a lot more special to me for that reason the fact that um there's so many things that are tough right now but i still love the feeling of going for a run and i feel i feel good after a run no matter what and um yeah i just I, I don't know. I don't know if I'd still be carrying on as I am if I were not a runner. So well, there, a, there, there, well, there's only there, a gift. There's no, there's no doubt. I mean, you are so more, much more resilient than, you know, you're young, you're in, in amazing shape, um, and you're so much more resilient, and your body can take so much more than the regular person who has cancer. I mean, that must be a factor that the doctors talk about. Yeah, I mean, they don't talk about it too much, but my husband and I do talk about it, and I think they talk about it. My doctors do talk about it, but not directly. Sure. Um, my performance status, I guess that's what you would call it. If you were a physician, you would think about your patient performance status. Uh, that's basically just, like, how healthy they are um, on every level before they start their treatment. And 
So my performance status, you can't get much higher. Right. And um, so that's good because you can look at all of the all of the statistics about how all these different patients do, and it's pretty much like the higher your performance status is, like the better you're going to tolerate your treatment, and potentially like the more treatment, uh, even just uh, varieties of treatment that I can tolerate, like. Because I have a rare cancer, something strange and novel might work for me. But in order to find that, I'm going to have to go. I may have to go through a few different treatments, and I might fail a couple on my way to finding one that works. But it's like the healthier that I am, it is more likely that I can tolerate these treatments, and then it's more likely that we'll find something that works. So yeah, it is like overall, it's a really good thing because um, I can. I can handle these treatments. Like, I don't feel great on them, obviously, but uh, I can tolerate it, and I can still go for runs and maintain my health in every other way, um, and that does make a difference. It's probably difficult for for my doctors to, um, like, completely figure out what that difference is, but it, right. it, it definitely is there. If, if nothing else emotionally, I mean, we all know that. We all need the running for the yeah. emotional therapy that it gives. Uh, well, yeah, she, definitely. She, she's a great follow. Uh, she's got a website. It's gabriellegrunwald.com. Uh, uh, great follow on Instagram. It's G.I. Grunwald on Instagram. And then on Twitter, G.G. underscore runs. Uh, it's been fun to follow you. And it's cool to see that you, um, you know, you're posting pictures, um, you know, of you running in Central Park with friends. And I mean, there's just no woe is me from you, which I think is just super inspiring. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> it really is cool. And I, there was one I, I I heard on a, there was a, I don't know, an interview I was listening to, or maybe it was from After USA's. You said you were hoping to get to uh, a lake and float around a lake this summer. Have you gotten to that lake yet? Yes, I have. Nice. <laughs> there you go. So, what, yes, I definitely have done some floating on a lake. One of the, one of the Minnesota, wait, what, are, what are the Great Lakes in Minnesota? Is that right? Or is that Michigan? One of the, yeah, Lake Superior See, is there you basically go. touches northern Minnesota, but there's lots of smaller lakes that okay. are not, they're not the Great Lakes. So it wasn't uh, in the Great Lake yeah, that my, you were floating around in, okay. Oh, uh, my husband's parents still, we're, Jess and I are both from Lakes Country, Minnesota, so basically like central Minnesota, uh, but nice. his parents have a nice, their home is on Pelican Lake, which is near Cross Lake, Minnesota. And uh, it's like a two and a half hour drive, basically northwest-ish from Minneapolis. So we we spent definitely we spent like a week there actually around the Fourth of July, and then hopefully we'll be back there again. Oh, you'll be back. You'll be back. Yeah, get get through this, and and you'll be back. Well, Gabe, I I I know you're super busy there at Sloan Kettering. Uh, I I can't thank you enough for the time. we will we'll tweet out all the particular links and um, let's you know let's let's raise some money um, on her uh, flip cause page. The hashtag is Brave Like Gabe. Um, really really cool to kind of scroll through and see all the hashtags. Um, just such an inspiring story and and your your positivity is infectious and and uh, you know just keep, keep it up. I I I I am I'm so much rooting for you as as everybody Thank kind of you. in the running in the running industry and in the running world is. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it so much. I definitely feel the difference um and being a part of the running community has been has been pretty awesome and it's been humbling to have all the support so thank you no doubt all right thanks thank you again gabe um we appreciate you joining here on pace the nation uh gabe get well and hopefully we'll talk to you again down the road all right thanks guys thanks chris have a good night all right there she goes it's gabe grinwall this is pace the nation we'll take a quick break and be right back after this All right, welcome back to the program, and thanks again to Gabe Grunwald for joining us here on Pace the Nation. Um, really inspiring story and such a positive, upbeat person. Um, just, uh, I, I, I just am, am in awe of her, um, so I really appreciate her joining us here on Pace the Nation. Um, sorry again that I hogged the mic, Joanna. That's fine. That's fine. I mean, I thought we maybe we could... You guys could talk about um, the weather, but again, we do too much weather on this show. And um, but she was kind of 
She's kind of in your camp. I think she likes those uh, Minnesota uh, summers. Yeah, nobody likes the humidity. <laughs> I think there are some people who actually like Nobody the normal likes the humidity. <laughs> yeah, especially if you're a runner. That's that's probably true. All right, we will again tweet out all the particulars on um, Gabe. Um, looking forward to raising some, some money for her um, in this underfunded uh, cancer that she has. Um, you, can, you can donate now. You can donate at the Beer Mile. Um, so a lot of ways to get involved and help out. Just a really, really good person. All right, Joanna, so you ran the, the 5K this past weekend. I did, yeah. Um, how'd that go for you? Poorly. Poorly? Okay, yeah. Poorly, Anything yeah. else I can bring that'll kind of needle you? Let's see. No, sorry about that. Yeah. I mean, it was a good race. It just, you just, again, yeah. don't run well in the heat. Yeah, I thought this summer that perhaps I had adapted to the heat. And I don't know why I think that, because I haven't. Well, this this week, this week, you're going to be up in Maine. You leave your, your problems behind here. And when I say problems, she doesn't have any problems. It's just her work is her problem, <laughs> this job. Yeah, I'm like one for three in the scale. <laughs> I know. What's that scale again? Remind our audience. Um, in relationships, running, and work, you can't have all three go right at the same time. Yeah. Work um, is yeah, it's average. Yeah. Yeah. I think I just, <laughs> We'd probably I'm, rate it differently. I'm, I'm giving Different it a, perspectives. Yeah. Um, you're, you're, you're in a new home. You've I'm got, in a new you've home. You've got a good relationship. Yeah. So yeah, I, mean, I think we're three for three there. Uh, you're, you've got a great family who loves the podcast. That's not in the, that's <laughs> not one of the things. Okay. I'm just trying to be Mr. Positive. When you get off an interview with Gabe, I mean, you, you gotta be positive. It is true. She, yeah. I don't know how she stays so happy. Yeah. It was, is, is she an athlete you've followed through the years? She is. Yeah. I know she, uh, Joanne, of course, our resident track nerd here. Um, yeah, she is, she's been someone who I followed and, and I, I really didn't realize, even though, you know, Julie roomed with her and I was kidding about the rooming and calling Julie out on anything, but I didn't realize that she, you know, really had, I thought the cancer had been addressed and dealt with and moved on, but I didn't realize it was, it was reoccurring like it, like it has been. She is super inspiring, despite the cancer continuing to reoccur. All right, Joanna. We'll see you in a couple weeks, I think. So no more podcasts for you until... Uh, wh- when are you coming back? Uh, Sunday. Okay, so you come back Sunday. All right, I'll be gone this week too. Um, Docs, I believe, is gone this week and we're back Sunday. So full crew next week. This podcast, of course, is sponsored by Pacers Running. Pacers Running with five area DC locations. Pacers Running is for every run. We also have our store up in Princeton, New Jersey. Uh, Seven Palmer Square there in Princeton, New Jersey. Uh, We have the Beer Mile coming up. You can still sign up for the Beer Mile. August 5th is the Beer Mile. Uh, Really going to be a great time. We're going to be raising uh, some funds for Gabe's cause. Um, And just it's it's a great party. If you didn't go last year, trust me, it's a great time. You'll not want to miss it. All right, good show, Joanna. Thanks to our guest, Gabe Grinwald, for joining us today on Pace Nation. Again, her Twitter handle is GG underscore runs. Uh, she tweets out a lot of information about what she's doing, how you can help her cause. Uh, so definitely, definitely give her a follow. Really cool last couple shows. Yeah. Except for Docs was out of town. Other than that. Maybe that's what's... No, them. no, no, no. Docs, we'll see you next week. And for Joanna E. Russo, I'm Chris Farley. Thanks to the listeners. We will see you next week. This is Space Nation. <laughs>